Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. And often we can, we can function in life like we feel like failures because we look at what other people have. We look at the titles that other people have received. We look at the house that they've got. We look at the trips they go on. We look at the cars that they drive. And we think to ourselves, how have they been, why have I not been able to get to where they are at? How have they been able to get there? And we all think that we start at the same place. And the Bible just tells us that that's not the way life works. That yes, that's not fair, but you know what? fair? Man, the world stopped being fair in the Garden of Eden. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. In psychology, there's a concept known as a keystone habit. A keystone habit is a habitual behavior which influences numerous areas of our life without being directly connected to them. For example, studies have shown that if you exercise regularly, you will spend less money. If you make your bed in the morning, you will have a more productive day. Why is that? Because those behaviors are keystone habits. What is the greatest keystone habit that is sure to improve every area of our life? Well, the answer is not a what, it's a who. The who is Jesus. If we make it a habit to have Jesus in our lives, He will influence every area of our life for the better. He is the ultimate keystone habit. In the series, Jesus And, we will be exploring how Jesus can influence different areas of our lives. We will tackle topics like Jesus in our possessions, Jesus in our generosity, Jesus in our voting, Jesus and our church, Jesus in our government. We hope this series encourages you to experience the change that Jesus wants to make in your life. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. So we're gonna come back to that in a moment, his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money. To the other, he gave two talents. And to another, one talent, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. Now, when you read a parable like this that Jesus tells, there's generally two, two individuals that you always have to identify, God and you. Because nearly all of his parables have those individuals present in them. So who is God and who are you? And in this parable, the man who owns everything, the master, that is God. The servants are you and I. And so what does Jesus teach us here first about our possessions? That when we make him the center of our lives. Well, the first thing that he teaches us is this is that God has entrusted us. So you have things that God has entrusted to you. You know, you don't let, you just don't let anybody have something of yours. You know, whenever you entrust them with something that's valuable to you, then that means that you trust them. That's the whole point of entrusting something. You trust them. And so God trusts you. God trusts me because he has entrusted us with things. But he's entrusted us with them to manage what he owns. And so in other words, God owns it all. We don't own it. God owns it. We're just managers of it. In First Chronicles chapter 29, the Bible says this, that teaches us this idea, reinforces it at least. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. Everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. In other words, everything that we have comes from God. He's given it to us to manage. 
And what we have to catch with that is this, um, is that we have to understand that we, that we are not, uh, you know, we aren't the ones that really own it all. That, that there aren't any U-Hauls that follow behind a hearse. What we have to understand is that we don't want to be ridiculous about it. We don't want to be abrasive about it. You know, I mean, it's not like you can't ever say that you don't own something. I, I'm not going to go that far with this. But the point is, is that in this life, there is seemingly a temporary ownership that we, that we actually have in this life. And that there are some, some trappings of ownership that we need to be aware of. They're what I call extreme ownership, okay? And so, so here's what happens. So, you, uh, so here's what happens is, is like we, we, we own it and we've worked for it and we say it's ours. But the Bible teaches us, no, no, it comes from God. And you're saying, Phil, what are we talking about? I've worked hard. I've labored. I, I've earned this. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe you have. Maybe you've done some things to get those things that you've got. I get that. But what did you do to be born into America? What did you do to be born into the 20th century or 21st century? What, what did you do to have the abilities and the skills that you've got? Because there's some things in you that are innate. Well, you didn't do anything. God, God directed that. God designed that. And sometimes we can get so caught up in the fact that we own it, we earned it, it's ours, we're entitled, that we develop this extreme ownership again. And whenever I talk about extreme ownership, that's what we want to avoid. But we don't want to go so far to the extent of avoiding it that, we're, that if somebody were to say to us, wow, you have a really nice house. You don't want to say back to them, well, it's not my house, it's God's. I mean, that's just kind of weird and abrasive and you just shouldn't go there. I, I get the sentiment, but you just shouldn't go there. Instead, you know, you thank that person for that, but you know in your mind that you're just managing it for this time, that you did this little bit of time, this mist of time, as the book of James tells us, you, that you have on this, on this world. But when we get it wrong, then what happens is, is that there are evil desires and behaviors that follow. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10 says this, My son, if sinners entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for someone's blood. Let's waylay some harmless soul. We will get all sorts of valuable things and fill our houses with plunder. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying, like, if you want to own a lot of stuff and you want to have a lot of things, then you can just go take it from somebody else. You can just take it. And that's not right at all. But when you have an extreme view of ownership, it can cause you to have evil desires and evil behaviors. And that probably, that, that was one of the great examples of this is a man named Matthew McDermott. That a few years back, he was having some money troubles. In fact, things were so bad for him that he went into Wakefield, his, his company in Wakefield, Massachusetts that he worked for, and he began a shooting rampage, killed seven people, and as he took, and once he took their lives, eventually detectives sorted through his life to figure out what it was that prompted him to go on this rampage. And then there was a headline in Time Magazine that said, money troubles lead to Wakefield rampage. Because he was getting ready to lose his house. And earlier that day, what they think, it, what, what the trigger was that pushed him over the edge was at 11.07 on that particular day that he would shoot those coworkers of his at 11.07, he um, received word that, that a company was going to come and repossess his car. And that was the thing that pushed him over the edge. Because when you have extreme ownership of, a, of, a, of something, you're going to have evil desires and behaviors. And that couldn't be more present than in somebody like this gentleman, Matthew McDermott. 
Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. Another trapping of extreme ownership is a false sense of security. That, that you think that, you know, if you, have, that you can get enough insurance and, and you can be diversified enough and, and you can um, make sure to pay off enough debt that you can, you can get yourself in a position to where everything is going to be taken care of. As the book of Proverbs says, you have an unscalable wall. This is what Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11, 18 verse 11 says. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. And so you can get so diversified, so fully insured that you think there is nothing that can take you down. But you just have to talk to the people who experienced the Great Depression, who have experienced other market crashes since then. The people that um, have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, they thought they had an unscalable wall. They thought they were secure, but what they came to find out is that they're not. They weren't. And so the tourism industry has been destroyed through the pandemic. You've got uh, the the aeronautics industry. Um, You've got flights, uh, the flight industry, these airline companies that, that thought they were so stable. They thought they were so secure. They've come to find out that they weren't. Because we're all just one tragedy, one disaster away from it. And what extreme ownership causes you to have is is a false sense of security. And another thing that extreme ownership causes you to have is an increased anxiety. I love this verse from Ecclesiastes, chapter five, verse 12. The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man permits him no sleep. In other words, you can have so much stuff that you're just worried about it. And it pushes you to the brink of not even being able to sleep. It pushes you to the brink of, of being able to, str- struggling to function um, through, through life. There is a, I heard about a man who went to a furniture store not long ago, and, and when he went to this store, he, um, he purchased a, a mauve, a mauve uh, couch. And, and the, the, the person who sold him this couch saw that he had a few young children and he said, you, you shouldn't buy this couch. You should buy a brown couch that's, that can get dirty and you're not going to get upset about it. And that, this man looked back at the man selling him the furniture and said, no, no, you don't understand. I know how to manage my children. I know how to manage my home. Everything will be fine. And he managed it, all right? So the, the kids and the family got home and immediately rules were put in place to stay away from the mauve, the mauve house, the mauve couch, because no one could sit on it. No one could touch it. No one could even look at it. You couldn't get near it. It was 
like the, uh, the tree in the Garden of Eden of good and evil. You, that was the one thing in that house that you could have nothing to do with. Everything else was available to you, but you had to stay away from that couch. And as you can imagine, they did for a while. But it wasn't long before a stain popped up on that couch. And I'll tell you what, mama was not happy when that couch got a stain. And she made sure that there was vindication for what had happened to that couch. And it was just short of blood. Let's just say that. But man, there was a lot of anxiety around that couch. And that's what happens when you have extreme ownership. And so what we first learn out of this text is the first thing that we learn is this, is that it is his property and we are managing what God owns. And again, I don't want to be so nuanced in this that you're saying, I don't own anything because yeah, we don't have to be like that. You just have this idea that you have it for just a short period of time. The second thing that we learn from the text is this, is that God has entrusted all of us with something different to manage. Let's look again at the text. We've all been given something different to manage. Hang on to that idea. Matthew 25, 16 through 18. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. And the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now we're going to get to what they did with it in a moment. But the thing I want you to see here is that one was given five, one was given two, and one was given one. And often we can, we can function in life like we feel like failures because we look at what other people have. We look at the titles that other people have received. We look at the house that they've got. We look at the trips they go on. We look at the cars that they drive. And we think to ourselves, how have they been, why have I not been able to get to where they are at? How have they been able to get there? And we all think that we start at the same place. And the Bible just tells us that that's not the way life works. That, yes, that's not fair, but you know what? Fair? Man, the world stopped being fair in the Garden of Eden. That when that apple was eaten, sin entered into creation. And once it entered into creation, then fair, fair went away. And what we learn here is that God has entrusted us all with something different. And some of you need to grab a hold of that idea because you feel like you're a failure. You feel like you haven't accomplished enough, but maybe you just, maybe you have. Maybe you've accomplished more than you can imagine. Maybe you've gone further than those that you are comparing yourself to, even though they might seemingly have a little more than you. But you're so caught up in where they're at and where you are that you don't realize that. That you don't realize that you've gone so much further than them. And you've got to recognize that ultimately you're accountable to God, not to your emotions. And what God, what God's going to look at you and evaluate and judge and hold you accountable for is what you've been given. And so stop looking at how further, uh, how much further other people have gotten, because maybe they've been the beneficiary of an inheritance. Maybe they've been the beneficiary of a strong family. Maybe they've been the beneficiary of, of just some incredible break that they caught along the, along the way that you have not been able to be uh, benefit from. And so you're trying to get to where they're at, but they are so far ahead of you, it's just not going to happen. 
And you just got to recognize that everybody's been given something different. And what we really need to recognize is this, is that when we compare us in America, and specifically those of you in Douglas County, Colorado, who are watching this, is that you, while you may look at a few other people that may have more than you, there are people in the world that are looking at you and they're saying, wow, why can't I ever get to that? I wish I was where they were at. You just got to realize that, man, we are fortunate. We are blessed. And as it relates to the entire world, man, we are incredibly wealthy. And we are going to be held responsible for that because to whom much is given, much is required. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 10.30 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. And that's what these servants are going to find out. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five to the master when he arrived. And he said, Master, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then he gets to the person with one. Then the man who received the one talent came. Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Went out and hid the talent that you gave me in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that, it, uh, should, should, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who, who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him and thrown and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that is harsh, isn't it? That is harsh. But that's how serious God takes what it is that we have been given and entrusted to manage. And the thing that you have to understand from this is that ultimately there's going to be accountability that God will hold us accountable for what we have managed in this life. And we may think that, well, there'll be a day when I won't have to worry about it. There'll be a day when uh, there's going to be days I won't ever have to, there won't be any accountability. Maybe we live like that. That's what this gentleman, Anthony Armitus, lived like. 
You see, a few years back, he had received a, an, a job offer at a tech company on the East Coast, and he accepted the job offer. But just a few days before he was to start the job, he actually backed out, changed his mind, went to work for a different company. Unfortunately, though, the company that had originally hired him had already put him on the payroll. And so he started receiving a check for a six-figure salary that he would receive annually. And it would take five years for the company to recognize the mistake that they had made. And all of that time, Anthony Armitis continued to receive those paychecks. And then when the time came for him to be held accountable, he was held accountable. Almost a half a million dollars had been given to him and he had to spend several years in prison because he thought he was just going to get away with what it was that was being given to him. He thought there wouldn't be any level of accountability, but Hebrews chapter four tells us this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything's naked and exposed before his eyes and he is the one whom we are accountable. That there is ultimately a day in which we are going to be accountable for what it is that we have been given. And we have to recognize that because that affects the way we view our stuff. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. Don't own, don't let your things own you. You can own them to, to that certain extent, you know, that a certain extent that I'm saying, yeah, it's okay, but just don't drift into that extreme ownership because man, one day it all just, one day, you know, we all leave it behind. There's a man named John Ortberg. He's a pastor and author. He tells a story of when he would um, play Monopoly games as a young boy with his grandmother and she would just be absolutely vicious, obliterate him every time they played. And when she would destroy him, um, she would often rub it in and gloat a little bit until one day, finally one day, John got a few lucky breaks of the dice. You know, some pieces fell into place for him. His, his, grandmother would, his grandmother would land on some properties that he owned and ultimately he would win. And he expected her to be, to be downcast, to be uh, disturbed, to be, um, to be a bit depressed because she had won so many in a row. But she was none of those things. It seemingly never affected her. Instead, when the game was over, she said, okay, and started packing everything up and putting it into the box. And John was indignant. He couldn't believe his grandmother would act this way. And, and he said, Grandma, aren't you sad that you've lost? And she said, no, John, no. Because even though you've played the game well, it all goes back in the box. And some of you have played the game really well in this life. You, you've... You've played it so well that you, you have a nice house and you have nice cars and you can ca- tend to your kids and you can take care of other family members and you have savings. You have all these different things going on for you. You have so many good things in, in life because you have played the game well. But you know what? Ultimately, it all goes back into a box. Ultimately, it's all dispersed through some trust or estate. And then you... As I and me, as I've been reminded through numerous funerals that I've done, we end up in a box. And whether we are wealthy or poor, the con the value value of those contents in that box is all about the same. At best, there might be a few hundred dollars of difference between us. Because that's where it all ends up. And when I start to lose sight of how I need to view my stuff. I'm drawn back to this poem that I came across some time ago. And I'll close with this. 
I counted dollars while God counted crosses. I counted gains while he counted losses. I counted my worth, my things gained in store. And he sized me up by the scars that I bore. I counted honors and sought degrees. He counted the hours I spent on my knees. I never knew till one day by the grave how vain are the things we spend our lives trying to save. And so I want to encourage you to allow Jesus to influence how you have your stuff. I've seen so many people want to, uh, I've seen so many people want to be generous, but they can't because they're so spread thin with their stuff. I've seen so many people want to send their kids to Christian, to, to a private Christian, get a private Christian education, but they can't because they just don't have the money because they're so spread thin with their house and their cars and trips and everything else. I've seen people who should be retiring, but they can't because they've spent all of their money on the stuff through the years. I've seen people whose health forced them to retire, but they weren't ready for that retirement because they just, they were just so irresponsible with all the stuff. Man, allow Jesus to be that apex keystone habit in your life and influence how you manage all the stuff that God has entrusted you to manage. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, We're grateful that, Lord, that you have given us so much. We're grateful that you've placed us into this time, into this place in history. Lord, help us to not take it for granted. We have been given much, and to whom much is given, much is required. Lord, help us, Father, not be owned by our things. Instead, Father, help us to use those things to serve your kingdom. Lord, help us to manage those things and to make the most of them in this life. And may it all bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.